0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. Man, in this episode today, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, This episode is being recorded a couple hours after the Optic Process video dropped, kind of detailing their season as well as the formal retirement and Envoy leaving, as well as Vanguard just dropped this past Friday. So we've got a lot to talk about in regards to the new game, our thoughts on it, some of the SD tournaments that kicked off. So if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. As well as drop a follow on the audio platforms and come check out Kyle and I on Twitter. Don't want to make this intro too long because we're probably going to be talking for maybe a record time, a record length for this podcast because there's so much to go through. Without further ado, before we get into the news, Kyle, how you doing on this exciting day for the podcast?
1: Oh my gosh, it's been a uh, it's been a whirlwind week uh, to be honest with all the, um, you know, the game dropping, and then you know everyone's like, you know, where's the where's the optic announcement Yep. uh and then obviously we get a, a super uh you know I, I i guess uh emotion rot episode of uh the process and um and then obviously all the news that follows with that so you know it's it's been you know obviously a lot of news uh a lot to keep your, your head on a swivel about <laughs> you know there's tweets flying left and right uh, and center about what's going on but yeah just uh, super excited to delve into everything that's been going on
0: yeah it's going to be a whirlwind like i said basically the format of this podcast so you guys are aware of what you're going to be listening to we're going to start out with a lot of the optic texas news i'm i'm going to have to catch myself i'm going to want to say optic dallas a lot since that's what we've been saying for the last couple of months but optic texas we're going to talk about that news as well as kind of some of the details of it and then we're going to dive deep into the process and kind of go over our thoughts because there was a lot to unpack there And then kind of getting into some more overall scene news uh, for the CDL and then get into our Vanguard thoughts and kind of kick it out. So it's going to be a long one. So buckle up because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Kind of kicking off with that Optic Dallas or I did it already. Optic Texas announcement. (laughs) (laughs) We got to talk about. Uh, Obviously, it's no surprise. Scump, Shotzi, Illy, Dashy is the roster. I mean, we've known this for at least a few months now since uh, Envoy was dropped. Uh, one of the new things though, Rambo and sender are going to remain the coaches. That was one question mark. We hadn't really, I mean, we assumed one or both were going to be the coaches in some fashion, uh, but both are staying on, which to me is a massive W because I think obviously Rambo is one of like the founding fathers of call of duty in terms of the mind and the way to play the game. He's like the guy that developed the system on how to play competitive COD originally, and then kind of his predecessors like scump and clay and crim and all these guys carried it on and even Merck. And then Sender also, I feel like he's been a very good coach. I mean, Envoy had nothing but good things to say about him. Everybody on that optic team last year basically said it wasn't Sender's fault uh, with their success. He tried literally everything he possibly could and I thought I was very impressed with him in the process but we can get into that a little later. Like he he seemed to be doing a very good job, uh, but I think it's a massive W that both coaches are going to remain with the squad. Yeah, I
1: mean, uh, like, I think one of our big criticisms of the, uh, the optic team of the last two years has been, or, you know, the Huntsman slash optic team of the last two years has been, uh, that it just seemed like sender was trying to do it all on his own.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: you know, I didn't, I think they had, uh, you know, Tupac in there for a, a, hot, a hot second, uh, at the end of modern warfare, maybe. Um, but yeah, for
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, um. And then obviously now he's on phase, but, um, yeah, just, just obviously, uh, you know, I I think it's no surprise. One of our big criticisms, uh, has been, uh, that, you know, and it's widely known that optic, uh, the Huntsman optic team hasn't really like put in the prep work, I guess. And they've just been kind of, you know, victim of their own ill preparations. Um, so hopefully this just spells, uh, positive, you know, changes for the mindset and culture of the competitive team over there.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it will. The one big thing that I've kind of thought about, really, I haven't thought about too much since we've like heard the rumor, but I've been thinking about it a little bit more now with the fact that they've confirmed that the two two coaches are going to be there. And I'm thinking I don't know. I don't, obviously it's very, very early to tell, but I'm thinking Hastro and Hex might be the perfect marriage of owners because Hex is obviously all about the content and the brand of the team and becoming the most popular team and maintaining that. And then Hex is, or not Hex, Hastro has always been about winning and he doesn't really care as much about the content. Uh, Hex has never wanted to step on his players toes in terms of their competing. He's always like, I'm off to the side. If I absolutely need to step in, I will, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let the players and coaches terminate. And Hastro willing to step on some toes and really kind of get into there and talk with the team which i think might be the perfect marriage because i think maybe when optic has some of those issues that they typically seem to have with the scum teams maybe hastro can step in and be like all right guys we're gonna bring in this analyst and he's more willing to shell out money and to talk about stuff like that because he's always been about winning and it seemed like he built out a pretty good analyst team behind the scenes uh as well as obviously a good coaching staff with uh with the empire so I think that's going to be something that's going to be a very good strength. Uh, and obviously, we have in our little news here that we want to talk about. Should they acquire additional coaches and analysts? I don't necessarily know if they need to acquire additional specific like coaches, like assistants. Like you've got Minnesota with Saint, and then uh, now Looney as an assistant. And then they've got analysts. I would say I think Optics should maybe bring on maybe a search and destroy analyst as like another coach. But I think they should bring on more like statistics analysts, like JP for New York. Uh, and I believe, oh my God, I can't remember who it is, Um, but there is a stats guy for Minnesota, but I'm blanking his uh, name right Re- now. Reppin? Yeah, Reppin. Yeah. I think yeah. they should bring on somebody maybe like that, like a stats guy oh, yeah. to help uh, with analytics. But coaches wise, I don't think they need any more coaches.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, like we've seen a lot of the uh, really successful teams um, implement, like obviously like statisticians and just overall, like I. I think, you know, they go a lot deeper than just, like, the numbers. They go into, like, okay, like, should we be trying to, like, break this hill? Or, like, how, like, what is the best, like... (laughs) I don't know. There's just so many, like, meta things that they can help with. um, That, you know, it doesn't even get fleshed out in, like, the interviews or anything that, like, ever reaches the public eye. But I I think a lot of people that are more in tune with the competitive scene, uh, like, they obviously know that their value is you know unparalleled so i i would like to see like maybe an s and d coach and definitely like an analyst or you know even two if it's necessary um but yeah i mean mm-hmm. if if they really want to be a top tier uh competitive organization not just for this year but for years going forward i think uh it would really behoove them to uh you know get those some get those people under their uh, employment yeah
0: i agree 100 percent. i think I think they're much more set up from a beginning standpoint though, which gives me some hope and optimism for the team that I think rather than having just Sender trying to do everything himself, I think they have more infrastructure within the organization to back them and keep them on track as well as coaches. So I think on all levels, not just the team's level, but the whole organization around them, they have more because I don't know that really the Huntsman or Optic had much other employees really in the organization besides like the players, Sender, the content creators and hex. I don't really know if there was much like actual people. And I think the NV offices have a lot more people within the business and in, in the stats and analytics. And I think they're just going to have more to keep them on track. So I'm excited for that. Uh, the other little piece of news with that Optic Texas announcement, TDL Intel said that General is in talks to become uh, the competitive substitute. I don't think there's much of a shock there. Um, he's been the sub for Huntsman and Optic for the last two years. Not like a super exciting play because he's not some like young up-and-comer, but I guess it makes sense if they're comfortable with him. Uh, this team probably doesn't think that they're going to need a sub at all. And I feel like actually as weird as it sounds general, isn't a bad sub because he is a main AR obviously. And that's almost most teams I would think want a substitute like a, a sub player or a flex player. But I actually think this team, if like, obviously they don't have any plans and probably won't make a single roster change all year. But if they had like an issue with COVID where somebody had to play, it almost seems like general would be the perfect role because he's a main AR and, I mean, Dash, he could flex if he has to, but Illy, Shotzi, and Scump obviously can all run a sub, so it seems like he runs a good role, but I'm assuming he's never gonna have to play unless a crazy circumstance occurs.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't assume that he would be coming into this team. Um obviously he's like still maintained a challenger's presence over the last few years as yeah. well. So it's not like he's just sitting there and he's not like the obviously he's not the biggest content creator either. Um, you know i i guess i i like general he's a uh, he's a michigan guy uh i yeah. guess he he I, at least he he hails from michigan but obviously been living in texas for the last uh you know two years or so um but yeah so uh and you know it you, i i would imagine it's more of like a uh a keep what you know like if it, if it's not broke don't fix it <laughs> like uh you know uh, Unlike other teams where we might think that the the substitute would be coming in like soon or like you know imminently coming into the team, uh, I think General's just like you know he's perfectly con- content to you know stay with the optic branding, um, you know stay with the team and just kind of do his thing. So yeah,
0: I also think yeah for from the standpoint of General's POV, it's 100% a fantastic decision because. If you're not going to get a spot in the CDL anyways, there's no better team to be signed as a substitute for than Optic because you're going to continue to be. He's always in there, the Optic content, and he's become way, way more popular in the community since he's obviously been on Optic. So, I mean, if you're not going to get a spot in the CDL and you're going to play challengers and you want to be a substitute and get that salary, I mean, there's almost no better. He might be in the best position of any challengers player. He may not win as much. He's a very good player, but he might not be winning as much. But, I mean, he's sitting there making a salary on optic, so he's building his brand for potential after he's done competing and he also gets to compete in challengers. So I mean I'm I, I can't imagine a better situation for him. So good for him if he's able to continue being the sub. Yeah. All right. Next thing we want to talk about uh the Hex or sorry uh Envy also acquired the twelfth CDL spot it sounds like uh in an article that came out CDL Intel I believe posted it. Um but envy gaming acquired the 12th CDL spot from NRG and plan to sell it off. Obviously I would think that would be a conflict of interest. They can't uh, own that spot as well because they'd technically be owning two teams. Unless I thought somebody said that technically they could own it uh, until it got sold off and feel the roster because technically optic owns the other spot based on like, the contract for buying the spot or something so it's possible they could own it but i'm sure people would raise a lot of question marks because they technically were owning two teams they could almost use it as like a farm for the other team it just it doesn't work that way um but it sounds like there's a lot of suitors according to jake lucky as well there's a ton of suitors that want to buy the spot which is what we heard just a couple of days ago we heard that it was potential that we were going to be playing with 11 teams because nobody wants it but now apparently that envy has it there's a lot of suitors uh, we can let sh- you get your thoughts in on it, but I have who I think is going to buy it and who I would like to buy it,
1: yeah. So, I mean, it kind of uh, touches on like the whole. Um, I, I, we're going to talk about the Washington fallout um, mm-hmm. a little bit later on in the news, but obviously that didn't materialize. Um, so Envy somehow, at least, uh, you know, they're kind of acting as like the middleman, or they they bought off NRG and they're going to flip it. Um, so I obviously we're talking about like tens of millions of dollars that uh yeah you know i i guess you know we we've been told that you know it's paid in installments, so it's not like you necessarily needed to come with like a briefcase of like <laughs> you know 25 million dollars or something um but yeah so obviously it's a big money transition um you know i i guess it, it might take a few weeks or something at least to figure out what's gonna uh happen with this team going forward but uh yeah i I, I don't know maybe uh i don't know i I guess get your thoughts on what uh who, who you'd like to see take this up um you obviously are a little bit more in tune with the other orgs that might be uh looking to come in so uh what are your thoughts
0: I mean, the the orgs that come to mind, I mean, we heard all the rumors about Cloud9 coming in next year at the Vegas team. So I'd have to think that they're maybe one of the potential suitors. And this is obviously not confirmed, or I don't know this for sure, but I'd have to think Cloud9 would be one team that's potentially kind of checking out what could happen here. I would think E-United is probably checking it out because they've been rumoring and hitting that COD for how long that they want to get in. I think E-United probably has the worst financial backing. They've always been an org that hasn't necessarily had all the money in the world, and I've had to kind of pinch pennies a little bit, and I think Cloud9 would have a lot more uh, say, so I think they'd probably beat them out. But the team I really want to see, and the team that I actually think is the most likely is Complexity. Uh, and they're like literally the dream team, in my opinion, and I think that's partially maybe the reason that we're hearing Optic Texas, and not Optic Dallas, because obviously Complexity is headquartered, like I think literally across the street from the Hexquarters. I'm pretty sure they're like down the road from the Hexquarters is where the Complexity facility is in Frisco, Texas. but They're known as like the Dallas esports organization now because they were bought by the Cowboys and they have Tim the Tatman recently joining the ownership group. So to me, I think I kind of am going on my bold early prediction and saying that complexity is going to buy in as the 12th spot before the CDL starts this year. I think they're going to feel the team. They may not have a great team because obviously a lot of players are locked up, but I think they're going to be a destination organization in the future, potentially, if this does happen, because they have a rich history in COD. Obviously, we're home to really the first dynasty, unless you consider Fariko, uh the first dynasty. But Complexity is right there as one of the greatest organizations in COD history. They've always done it the right way. Everybody loves their owner, Jason Lake. And also, they'd be a dream for the CDL because they have a history in COD, so they're going to they're bring a fan base. They bring Tim the Tatman, one of the biggest video game creators in the world. Uh, they bring Jason Lake, one of the most stand-up uh, owners in the league, who's also good friends with Hex and Hastro. And they bring the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones into the CDL, which is, I mean, one of the most popular brands in the world of sports, maybe the most popular, most valuable. So it would be just wins all around. And I think that's potentially why uh, the Dallas name was left open and they're called Texas is because maybe we're going to see the Dallas complexity. At least that's my hope
1: yeah, I mean <laughs> even just uh you know bigger than Tim the tatman you have obviously the uh the NFL connection with uh with Dallas. So obviously they're they're not short on uh finances uh by any means. Um or at least, you know, they have potential to get more backing or yeah. Um you know obviously uh, I think Dallas is uh you know, even they're they're up there with like, you know, Manchester United and like Real Madrid mm-hmm. for like most valuable like sports uh franchises i don't know it's crazy to even think about um and you know obviously tim the tatman uh yeah. you know, one of one of the best uh, or one of the most prolific streamers uh recently went over to youtube as well i think we've uh touched on that too so uh brings in the um possibility of co-streaming uh cdl and obviously he's been mm-hmm. he's very like you know in in tune with all of the uh, competitive figures, uh and obviously has a big war zone presence and everything so yeah it just uh opens up a lot of opportunities and
0: uh just really excited to see uh what happens in the coming weeks and i'm thinking that the other reason i think it's kind of to harp on that like the possibility of it happening too is i think like jerry jones and any like potential people from the cowboys that would want to like reach out and learn more about this potential purchase i mean they have friends that can reach out to the Vikings uh, have ownership the will family in the rocker as well as the Kronke family with LAG I mean we've got that I can think of off the top of my head two different NFL owners are involved with two CDL teams so they've got obviously the history to talk to other NFL owners and people in their circle that are in similar circumstances to them to kind of talk about what this league is and how to get in and if it's a good idea to get in Um, I think it's an absolute dream if they could potentially get in that's like the number one team obviously an organization like Cloud Nine and United with history and COD and stand up organizations would be fantastic as well. But I mean, for me, I'm thinking, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that complexity is in, uh, and I think it's a real possibility. But we can move on to kind of more of that optic envy merger stuff. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I believe that the NV ownership of that other spot, like we talked about, is going to be temporary because i don't think they'll let them uh, go over the year but i think this at least kind of ensures that we we're going to have more than the 11 teams that they potentially rumored which would be a nightmare i think we're at least safe to say we're going to have 12 teams because they're going to be at least forced to put like a challengers roster on there which i mean i think regardless even if the roster sucks we just want 12 not that odd 11 number uh but we can kind of move on to more of this NV optic merger stuff and what it means some of the other stuff that was announced First thing being Teep, Bobby Poff, and I'm not really sure how to say this guy's name. I've actually never heard of him. Seems like he's a smaller up-and-coming Warzone streamer, but Sebasperin, I don't know, might be. If I'm saying his name wrong, I apologize for anybody uh, that's been watching him, but they're now under the Optic name. I mean, for a guy like TP, that means he's under the Optic name again. I believe Bobby Poff and Teep have both been kind of under the Envy Empire name for a little bit now, at least. And they're joining as Warzone content creators and maybe a potential Optic Warzone competitive team. if. Uh, that becomes even more popular, but I mean, competitive Warzone is already pretty darn popular. Uh, but yeah, your thoughts on those three joining as the optic Warzone team slash content creators?
1: Yeah the uh, the announcement video was super. <laughs> I was I was cracking up. You know, uh, Teeps like you know bitching about the uh, you know you're not you're not you're not rotating. You're not rotating. Mm-hmm. We're going to Superstore. I was just cracking up, and uh, obviously Bobby Pop is just like he's a super charismatic streamer. I don't know if any, if anyone here has watched him, but, um, you know, just like he, he he embodies this like persona. Um, he sounds like an auctioneer, uh, <laughs> just, uh, I don't know. He's going to be, he's going to fit into Optic so well. And obviously Teep is, uh, has a long-standing history with optic having been the coach for them in the past and, uh, excited to see it. Like, you know, this, uh, Sebastian, uh, I'm going to just assume his name is like Sebastian or something. Yeah. Um, but uh just excited to see you know how hex utilizes him into content obviously uh warzone is just a content machine Mm -hmm. um and you know bringing in these guys uh and then uh like i think they even like name dropped like optic warzone so that kind of hints at this whole like cdl warzone op uh orgs getting into warzone like competitively i don't know what that entails um but it seems like you know a lot of these uh content creators are like aligning themselves with orgs um or a lot of these like warzone creators are aligning themselves with orgs and like so i I don't i don't know hopefully that materializes into something because i i think that just opens up a floodgate of new eyes into competitive and um you know some cross-pollination there
0: yeah, I, I'm hoping that it could potentially be something that's partnered with the CDL so we can get more eyes on competitive COD. Uh, I have I mean, I've said it a lot of times. I'm not the biggest Warzone fan. I've never really enjoyed playing it. And I I can't honestly say I've ever watched much more than maybe the first week or two it came out. Initially on Modern Warfare, I watched a little bit of it, but I'm not the biggest Warzone fan. But the names I'm excited for, I mean, I've never really watched Bobby Puff, but I know a lot of people love him. And I know he's been around for a while. So it seems like somebody that would be a good uh, content creator to add to the team as well. Uh, And then TP, obviously, from his competitive background, I know him a lot, as well as being the coach in Optic. I also like that in the video. He's kind of in the background screaming because that's kind of the thing he's known for on his time as a coach of Optic is he was like towards the end of the dynasty roster. And then the Black Ops 4 roster that had all their chemistry issues. He's kind of known for like trying to do everything possible and just nobody listened. And it was like he was talking to a brick wall. So I I just thought that was kind of a funny little kind of thing to give to the competitive fans uh, of Optic that they probably had a good laugh with that because it was kind of like uh, watching a little throwback of TP, trying to trying to teach everybody the right way to do things, but nobody wanted to listen. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for them. Uh, I'm excited for the potential of Warzone being associated with the CDL, because I hope it can bring new viewers in, but I'm also scared of the possibility it could take players out to go over to that. Um, but kind of moving on within that uh, merger, Shotzi again, maybe another leak after he leaked the whole Optic logo. I mean, it was already out, but <laughs> he had the little end end screened uh, thing on the video where that logo leaked again but he potentially leaked z laner going to optic another warzone player and streamer uh, which is apparently set to announce tomorrow and there was talks that it could be a karma formal z laner warzone team uh, and this was kind of our little confirmation that karma's still on the team as he kind of like hasn't really made a lot of content recently and people were like question if he was still in optic or what was going on but apparently maybe karma formal and z laner are potential warzone team which could be pretty exciting because. I, from what i've heard i believe z laner is one of the best warzone players out there and then obviously we know karma and formal could get to that level
1: yeah uh with the whole z thing like in the, it just kind of it, it brought me back to the end of that video where like formal is like i know a guy and like the, you know because obviously skump gets up to go like scrim with the uh with the competitive team and like they're you know they're looking for a third guy and Formal's like oh, i got you and yeah. uh so obviously it leaves and then i think they even announced that they're gonna announce uh, that they said they're gonna announce the uh who it is tomorrow so if you're listening this would be on tuesday so uh maybe we'll hear something by then um yeah but obviously uh (laughs) shotzi uh not doing his greatest uh job to keep things under wraps maybe he's the leaker that's giving uh (laughs) cdl intel all the Um, yeah but yeah so uh that would also, like, if they're going to be, if they're rumored to be like a team of three, that would also lead me to believe that, like, they're doing these, like, custom game trios things because now you can do, like, custom lobbies with Warzone. So, um even more fuel to the fire for, uh you know, possibly launching into, like, org based competitive Warzone.
0: Yeah. I think it's something that could be very exciting for this year, the org based competitive Warzone. Uh, and I'm excited to see what other names come back because I think, well, we have players retiring from the CDL, I think it could allow maybe an avenue for those players to not just leave right away. They could potentially play for these teams as almost like retirement homes in a way and still keep those the fans of them eyes on the scene and maybe if they tune into the Warzone match early, they'll still watch the CDL match later or something. But we can talk about the logistics of that more as it gets announced. We had two more things we want to talk about under the Optic and Envy merger. Uh, the first one I kind of want to talk about because the last one seems to be a good way to wrap things up. I think we could talk about the OpTic name uh, possibly expanding back into additional esports. That was something that was talked about. I believe it was from Jake Lucky he said that this this merger is going to open the possibility for the OpTic name to get back into other esports. Obviously, in the past, we saw OpTic have a League of Legends team. They had a CSGO team. Um, absolutely like famous Halo team that won a world championship with some of the greatest players of all time. That's the one I'm more familiar with. And they were in a lot of esports. They were even in PUBG for a little bit and stuff like that. But recently, they haven't been in anything except for uh, obviously the Call of Duty scene, being with NRG. And I believe that had something to do with the logistics of since they were like with NRG, and NRG was just lending out the brand of Optic for them to do um, to do the CDL spot with. They couldn't actually be in any other esports, but now with Envy allowing them to, to branch out, and Hex kind of still own the Optic brand fully. They can get into other esports if they want to, I'm assuming with the financial backing of Envy. So that could be something that would be very, very exciting if OpTic is to potentially get back into Halo, maybe back into CSGO, maybe into Valorant. Uh, That's something that could be super exciting. So uh, something that we should be on the lookout for and maybe OpTic getting more teams back, which uh, in turn would also potentially help the CDL because I know a lot of people started watching Halo and even CSGO and stuff when they were Optic God fans and they just wanted to watch... Optic teams play more and maybe that could have a reverse effect. Maybe people will really enjoy the Optic brand like they always seem to and they'll drag over to COD from that. So uh, exciting that Optic could potentially be expanded back into other esports.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really watch many other esports, um, like competitive esports, really. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with like the gameplay and stuff, but uh, as far as like tuning into events. So um, yeah, I think it would be exciting to see uh, Optic potentially get back in there um i think we're it probably wouldn't be associated with hex too much i think he's more like you know he's just gonna be with the cod Mm -hmm. uh with the cod team so you know obviously that would require them bringing in more people i don't know if they would necessarily like uh, maintain the same content production level around that team i would assume they would uh to some degree um because that just seems like what optic is all about is like creating narrative based storylines around their competitive teams um but yeah i mean it'd be fun to see them branch out
0: uh in in due time uh into other esports yeah and i think he could drag more popularity back into cod because like back in the day when he had like a csgo team it's actually just killing me i can't remember the guy's name but CSGO and, like, League of Legends, they never make any content outside of, like, COD's, like, the one eSport that makes content, really, outside of, like, their competitive game. And I remember, like, when they used to have Vision and when Hitch made that, they would have all of the teams combined. So, like, the CS team would be in there and the Halo team would be in there. And... Hex, even though nobody wanted to make content, that was still required. If you were on Optic for CSGO, you had to make content. You had to be in these content shoots and stuff. And it brought a lot of popularity to those scenes that I think they really benefited from. So I'm excited to see what that could potentially look like, the crossover between COD and maybe a potential CS team. Because I've always been one that cross-pollinated esports is good. Like You may not have ever played COD in your life, but if you really love CSGO esports... Like There's an obvious and clear overlap there of it's a first-person shooter and it's still a video game and you love video games. If you're, if you're willing to sit down and watch hours and hours of a tournament of Call of Duty, there's a decent likelihood you'd at least somewhat enjoy watching some CSGO. I mean, it's pretty logical to me, so I've always believed in that cross-pollination, so I'm excited for the potential of that. All right, uh-huh. last thing. Under the Optic Envy merger, uh, I thought it was a good one to end on. Uh, kind of our thoughts on the essential death of the dallas empire logo and branding obviously with um, envy and optic merging and becoming optic texas the dallas empire team is no longer that branding will kind of die Uh, i can give my quick thoughts on it because i think you might have more but i'm honestly pretty sad to see it go because i think it was kind of one of the best branding jobs in the league i thought they did it really well with the whole build an empire thing and kind of like the black and gold color scheme kind of, they were almost like the villain team. Cause a majority of people are fans of optic and they're like their biggest rival. They're almost the team that played the villain. So it's kind of sad to see that like dark logo with the crown on it. They were kind of like viewed as the villain, but they were always winning. And I think they honestly had just built one of the best new brands in the league. So sad to see that go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'll, you know, I, I, I want to echo everything you said. Uh, also I think it was really cool how they, uh, in in the crown they built in like the n and the v into uh yeah like if you look at the old logo it's like the left side of the crown has like an n and then the other side has a v so kind of a an an homage to envy like their their parent org and stuff um and yeah i i everything you said i uh you know i 100 percent echo Uh, i think it's one of the better it was one of the more simplistic logos but just like the whole like uh everything around like empire just a very like you know you know we're here to be the best um and obviously they won the inaugural cdl season um and obviously astro is a mainstay in the uh in the call of duty community uh you know one of the more outspoken uh team owners uh you know team execs and uh so you know Part of the, uh, you know, traditionalist, I guess, uh, you know, at least having known of Astro for a long time, uh, you know, even before I got into competitive, uh, you know, just kind of sad to see that whole like rivalry dissipate. Um, but you know, I, I think more of me is excited for, uh, you know,
0: what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. I'm super excited. Obviously, like you said, sad to see it go, but I think, I think they kind of took on that villain role. I think we're going to see somebody else step up this year. I think obviously the easy pick is New York because they've got Krim and he kind of embodies that villain role, but clay likes to do that too. I think it seems kind of weird because New York has become such a loved organization with Zuma kind of making them super popular with the flank and everything. But now he's gone obviously to phase. I don't know. I think, I think we might see New York fill in that villain role pretty well, obviously, because a lot of people, they're going to be going at it with crim and Krim and optic going at it like they always do as well as clay and optic. So excited to see them fill in the villain role potentially if that is the case but i'm also sad to see the empire brand go but are you ready to fully dive into our our process kind of review and thoughts because that was the next thing we want to get into kind of a deep dive we both just within the last couple hours watched the full process and are ready to kind of give our thoughts on each little part of the video
1: yeah let's go for it
0: all right so we're gonna kind of basically go through the order in like Chronological, like the video, in chronological order, pretty much, and give our thoughts on each piece as we kind of saw fit. Uh, the first one being after uh, the season, the season five group play W with Phase. That's kind of where things went in a downward spiral for the rest of the year. Uh, I believe they were in the video. They said two and zero going into that match. I think both teams were two and zero, and it was obviously a big, big match for seeding. Optic could potentially take that one seed and get that uh, that buy into the second round. Um, or no, they don't get a buy into the second round in the major. What am I saying? But they get that one seat and they're in the winner's bracket and have obviously potentially the easiest, easiest path uh, to make it further in the tournament. And obviously at that point, they really hadn't beaten phase at all. It was kind of their kryptonite on the year and they go in and they fry him and they beat phase in around 11. And it's like, it's kind of the momentum swing. Like, here we go. This should be like, we're towards the end of the year. We're getting in the group play for our last major should have been the momentum swing. They needed to kind of kick things off and, maybe make a run and try to win champs. And then after that it just went downhill. They kind of stopped trying as much in practice. They weren't as focused. Almost like they got complacent, which seems to be a super big issue with Optic whenever they get a, a big win since I mean, shoot, since like Black Ops three, it's been an issue with Optic and scump formal teams where they beat the team that they really need to beat and they almost get too high of a high and they just kind of stop trying to practice. So um Envoy basically said they weren't practicing well. So it can't translate to game day. If you're not practicing well, you're not going to play well like the big thing that stuck out to me was he said something about like, you know, we didn't break a P2 at all in practice. I don't know on what map, but we didn't break a P2 for two weeks in practice, so we Moscow. didn't break in the match. Yeah, like Moscow P2. Didn't break a P2 for two weeks in practice, so how are we supposed to break in the match? And I mean, I can get how frustrating that could be uh, from the standpoint of Envoy when he's trying to get the team to practice so hard and they just won't do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the uh, the intro stuff, uh, I mean, I I think even expanding out to like the topics surrounding cold war uh and like the the stage five lead up to champs and everything it was stuff that we already kind of had heard one way or the other um but i i think what the uh what the process does so well is they just provide like that behind the scenes like you know what the interactions are like um you know just like the super i mean obviously like first of all, like shout out to like Roger and all those guys, they, they just produce like a lot you know. of hard work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just the, I, I can see why it took so long to come out. Um, but yeah, just the whole, uh, with, you know, practice and you know, they weren't doing things right. I, th- I think that was kind of fleshed out to some degree, um, beforehand, but just to s- kind of like get that reiterated. Um, yeah, just kind of, it kind of painted like a, Kind of a bleak picture uh with, you know, like I, I think they said that they were a super vibey team and that, uh you know, they just weren't seeing results and they just kept like running into the same mistakes over and over. And that's why they weren't, you know, winning. And, and when they got to winners, they weren't translating those into, you know, series wins.
0: Yeah, it it obviously was. Um, like like you said we had kind of known all of this from like stuff you said but that's what the process does so well and you you touched on this is like we knew what the issue was and we'd heard it and all the players should agree what the issue was so we know there wasn't like a question of if that was actually true or not but it's kind of fun to see the dynamic in the room and like see it why why it was that way and so you could kind of feel it all yourself because like you can hear like you hear that all the time in sports too like the chemistry was off or like we just didn't prep well enough and it's like okay well like i get what that means like i get you didn't prep well enough but like What did that look like? And that's something that's so cool about esports to me. And the process was like, we got to actually see what that looked like, like, and like kind of hear the players talk about it. So we could actually get more of a feel of like, okay, this is why they were frustrated. This was was happening. And I mean, it was something cool to see. Then kind of the next step that we saw was they were super, super frustrated about the fact that they hadn't, won a match in the winner's side aside from stage one and that was super frustrating for the team that every time they got to a to a major they were in the winner's bracket except for the one time in the middle of the year but they're in the winner's bracket so which is obviously the place you want to start you give yourself a cushion but every single time they use that cushion in the first match they lost right away and they were down to losers they didn't give themselves kind of a push win a match or two get yourself the winner's finals or something and it was super frustrating for the team which is also uh, kind of understandable
1: yeah and I kind of want to just like, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to give them some kind of a pass. Uh, You know, just, I I think everyone saw the difference between uh, like when they transitioned back to LAN uh, for majors four or five and champs, um, at least for, for that. And uh, so, I mean, as far as like the, the early on beginning of the season, like majors one, two, three, obviously there was like a, a growing frustration with among the fan base and among like you know just the casual observer for like why isn't optic doing well like they have such a good team um and yeah just obviously squandering those winners uh bracket positions i i think it was like the the top three teams from each uh each of the two groups would make it into winners and then uh the bottom two would start in losers uh so obviously they they rarely had an issue with finding themselves top three in their group but just uh making it into you know using that favorable position to you know only have to win like three or four matches to win a major they never capitalized on that and uh that was just one of that was one of the big frustrations even during the season that i even i had because i was like man this team like they're they're just too good to keep doing like they, they're just finding new yeah. ways to lose um so that, that i i think that was good to hear uh i didn't know it had been since stage one even that they hadn't won a uh a winner's round match that's uh, brutal is, i that is really brutal
0: especially because like it wasn't like they were besides that one i can't remember if that was major i think it was major three when they really struggled and they started in losers like besides that it's not like we were looking at them as like a terrible team like every major we were going in and saying like you know they're probably a top four team and they're maybe not the favorite to win, but like if Optic wins, it wouldn't be shocking. Like it was way more shocking when Toronto won Major Two uh, than it ever would have been for Optic to win a major because coming into Major Two, Toronto wasn't even viewed as really like top six. Like they were like around the eight range. So like Optic was like a top four team pretty much in everybody's opinion going into like every single major besides maybe that middle one when they started in losers. So like it wasn't like they were getting like beats like as an underdog in every match like they were the favorite in most of those matches they were losing in the winter side
1: yeah i mean like i you hit on that perfectly like i think all of uh like all of our narrative uh going into majors and stuff was like man is optic gonna like obviously they're gonna probably be there on sunday but are they gonna really like take that next step and like play in the finals or even mm-hmm. squeak one out uh just yeah like you said
0: yeah you want to you want to talk about your next topic you wrote this one down i <laughs> want you i want you to take take the glory in this one it was honestly kind of like middle of the video kind of a lighthearted moment that was i think they i don't like it doesn't seem like anything that was said in there really need to be thrown and i think they just want to troll us and make us laugh a little bit with this part
1: yeah so we had uh obviously like you know there was a uh, you know crim six made a made a little cameo appearance on the f- Uh, on the process and you know obviously requisite he's talking with hex he's holding a he's holding a cigarette (laughs) um just just super i mean crim six is just like gold any anytime he's on the camera or yeah um (laughs) but yeah so that was funny uh also you know later on we saw formal uh you know also smoking a cig and then Mm -hmm. uh fellow fellow is outside uh you know one of them also smoking so it was just like oh my gosh like you know i guess we we kind of knew formal and crim and stuff you know they always like joke back and forth about it and stuff it was just kind of funny kind of like light-hearted little like things I, I i don't know it was just something i noticed i was like oh this is like yeah just just briefly touched on it it was, it was i don't know it made me yeah. laugh a
0: little bit it was kind of funny, and I just saw, like, I didn't fully watch the clip, but right before we started the podcast, I saw a clip of, like, Krim getting upset with his chat because they were all making fun of him, I think, for kidding, for, like, Skump coming in and taking his org now or something, like, people were trolling Krim in his chat, and he was, like, making fun of them. and, like, God, I'm not even on Optic anymore, and they're still using me in their Vision episodes or something, and it was, like, Krim <laughs> was just going at the Optic fans, and it was, it was really funny. I was, like, God, I love, like, I think... It's safe to say for both of us here on the CDL podcast, we love us some crim Like, the dude is just comedy. Like, obviously a great player, but man, does he make some good content. So that was that was a funny little break in the video because it was a pretty heavy video emotion-wise for, like, retirements and, like, some emotions from Envoy and stuff, which we can get into in a little bit. But the next thing that they kind of talked about was that COVID situation. I almost, when they started talking about it again, I like, right at when they started, like, the whole, like, oh, I went to get tested. I remembered everything. It came back to me, but I kind of forgot that this happened a little bit. Um, Going into Champs, Scump and Envoy, both uh tested positive for covid like in the weeks leading up to champs and then they didn't get a negative test like they were like showing how stressful that was on the team which i mean i get it if you're dashy and formal you're sitting there like thinking we just worked all year for this especially a guy like formal that's thinking about retiring like i just spent this whole year working for this and the only thing i stuck around was was to try to win that extra ring and now all of a sudden i'm gonna have to play with general and uh and you don't even remember who the other person they were gonna have to play with was uh general and sender, uh their coach. Yeah. They were gonna have to play with those two. And it's like, well obviously they're not gonna do anything at Champs, they have to play with two guys that like a challengers player who doesn't fit the roles of the team and then uh like a coach who hasn't really touched the game. Like obviously they're not gonna do well. Um but it was kind of interesting to see. Obviously we knew that that was had to be a frustrating situation, but like they legitimately like scum and Envoy didn't know if they were playing until like the morning that they had to travel to the tournament, like a day before. And like we saw how much of a toll that took on the team, understandably, because I mean what a just terrible timing for that to happen. Like right before champs, it seems like it really affected their practice because Scump and envoy were kind of at home, not feeling great. And it just really, really seemed to take a toll on the team there at the end of the year, including like not only like gameplay and practice wise, like I think they said they only practiced search two or three times in those two weeks leading up to champs because of it, but also it seemed to take a toll on their vibes. Like you could see they were kind of just annoyed and frustrated with each other and like maybe not as much with each other, but with the situation. So it's, it seemed to really take a toll on the team heading into champs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we, it was kind of, I, I forget who, uh, tweeted this a while ago. Like, you know, he's like obviously major five, it was, uh, you know, the first event with fans back and obviously had, you know, an incredible ending to it, uh, with the whole rocker thing. Um, but somebody, I don't know if it was uh CDL Intel tweeted or something. He's like, he's like stage five, like, you know, like it pay it paved the way but then like obviously uh like we we paid for it by like you know chalking champs because of like this whole covid situation um you know that was like the payment that we had to give for stage five major uh was you know the the, all the covid exposure and like obviously there was rumors of other players on other teams testing positive as well um and then i i think the uh the los angeles venue implemented a more strict like mask and like covid testing vaccination card policy um so obviously to protect the players more so uh and protect obviously everyone that went there um but i you know obviously at the at the dallas venue there was like i remember seeing like less you know people were like running up to the stage and there was like a lot more like it just seemed a little bit like oh like you know i could definitely see if like you know a few people you know came in with covid or something that might be an issue and then obviously the uh the smgs on optic test positive and yeah kind of chalked their whole like mental state i I think even like during that whole situation we we kind of knew that uh you know skump was frustrated obviously envoy was frustrated about it and then you know behind the scenes that uh it kind of took a toll on formal dashi and you know everyone else that was like dude this this freaking sucks like what's going to happen and then up but obviously everything ended up working out they were able to play but uh yeah i mean i i don't want to play like the what if game with like you know would this have you know allowed optic to you know come in with a better mindset and win champs or something like i i don't think that's a fair narrative either um but yeah just it was kind of interesting to see that and uh yeah it was kind of something that i had kind of like put on the back burner i almost forgot about that as well
0: yeah it was like I, obviously it was such a big storyline going into champs but i kind of forgot about it because once obviously champs started we kind of put it on the back burner of our minds um the next thing kind of that happened in the video after that obviously scump and envoy get their negative test they are able to head to champs the vibes of the team seem to be a little chalk uh chalked went into the event uh they play new york in that first round a match that i mean if you remember where new york was going into that like optic was 100 the favorite going into that match like new york was a solid team but they were definitely on kind of the downswing of their year. They were definitely not at their peak. And then obviously they get upset by New York. They continue that trend of just losing the first winner's match. Uh, go on, beat Florida, kind of saw some cool, like this is the stuff that I love about the process. And I wish every team would do it because I love to watch every team's behind the scenes. But it was kind of cool to see Scump kind of giving a little speech, hype up the team, kind of seeing how just like what team communication looks like uh, before games and like how they stay prepared and how they get ready and stuff. So that was kind of fun to watch uh, and then obviously we saw the crowd go absolutely crazy in those majors and uh, the majors as well as champs coming out for optic which was awesome to see like that's that's the stuff that I love uh, when the crowds just going crazy at an event that's like one of the best things ever especially when you're watching a match and you can hear the crowd getting hyped for whatever's happening it's, it's super fun to see but then we see um, like you said you wrote in here in our in our little like cues for our notes enter sad piano music uh, in the video as optic lose to Toronto, obviously that was kind of a storyline of the year. Optic every single time would force a game five and make things close, but just couldn't get over the hump. That was the Toronto ultra. Uh, they lose to them. Obviously we saw the little highlight of Scump going absolutely crazy in back basketball and raid on that, like 10, 11 streak optic goes down. Uh, and we see formal, obviously walk off kind of talk about maybe, uh, what it felt like to know that that was potentially his last series of competitive cod. Um, yeah kind of a super emotional moment it's one of my favorite things to see obviously i don't like to watch any players just be distraught with a loss but it's fun to see that behind the scenes stuff and like see the emotion that goes into it and see how much these players care
1: yeah i mean that kind of (laughs) like once once that piano music started and like i was like oh man they're gonna like lead this into the whole like you know obviously they're they're bidding farewell to two players and um yeah just the way they like pieced all those clips together and like the the background narration and stuff was just like i don't it was perfect uh and you know i i don't think anybody aside from people on the team really or even just formal knew that that would probably could have been his last competitive match um because you know right after champs i think we, we were all still talking about like oh like you know, is you know, what's the future of the optic team? Like are they like I I think we were saying are they gonna stick together, but I I think the consensus was probably yes. Um -hmm. but yeah I guess there was more doubt seated uh you know with the team. Um and I guess that kind of transitioned into uh you know the first player that they kind of memorialized uh attributed uh in the in the video was Envoy. Um Yeah, I you know one of the teaser trailers from the process was you know like envoy you know he was you know kind of had some you know red eyes and he was kind of like you know it looked like he had been you know getting emotional and stuff and then obviously that transitioned into you know the full the full blown scene you know where you know he's saying that you know what have you learned in the past few years and how has that made you as a person and you know intercouple that with like Hector giving like. A super glowing review of, um, you know, of Envoy and uh, just like the the kind of person that he is behind the scenes. And I don't even think Hector even talked about like the the player that he is. He was more just talking about like you know what he's willing to do for the team and everything. Uh, but yeah, I think that was for me that was the most emotional part of the video.
0: Yeah, the I Envoy. Got. Yeah,
1: I, I was getting kind of misty eyed over here um, just watching that because obviously Envoy is somebody that we've kind of. He was kind of thrust into the spotlight with being under the Hex brand of Huntsman mm-hmm. into OpTic. Uh, he was built up to be the prince, like the successor to Skump. Um, you know, a super charismatic guy, like a young guy, uh, super likable character. Um, but yeah, just uh, sh- shoot, man, that really made me uh, kind of feel some feel some things, you know. So uh, w- w- what were- what were your thoughts there?
0: yeah it was uh, i mean c novel he didn't even really get to like finish like the question that they asked him because he was so emotionally getting out. he's like i'm not getting into that which i thought kind of sucked because i would have liked to really like would have been a cool statement to see like what everything and his time on optic meant to him because obviously that's a situation that not many players can understand because optic has gone through so few players in their time um from like the early teams with like clay and Bose and Shot and proofy and big timer merc those guys like besides them and like the dynasty and then the couple players like Dashi and Teague that have gone through like recently, like optic has not had a lot of players play for the brand. So it'd be interesting to hear what a guy that had was on the team for two or three years and was expected to take over for Scump like thought when he was parting with the team, like something that would have been really interesting. So I wished through the emotions he could have got it out, but obviously we didn't get to hear that. Um, and that was kind of basically as we get to our end of our, our process kind of like walk through and our thoughts on it, that's kind of where we end out is, Envoy was super emotional. and um Hex had a lot of good things to say uh, about Envoy. Like he literally like said, I couldn't think of a bad thing to say, which I think we all kind of knew too. Like envoy always handled himself with great professionalism. He was super charismatic, good on camera, really good in interviews, good in content. Um, like literally probably Hex's dream of what he could possibly have as the replacement for scump. like you kind of talked about like Hex's dream, really, like good in everything, great player and great on camera and great. You um, don't have any brand questions with him. He's not going to say anything stupid on Twitter. He's always going to be friendly to the brand. Um, but now we kind of get into some formal stuff. If if you're good with that,
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's a good bow to to leave uh, Envoy with. Uh, just one more thing I want to say. Uh, obviously, super cool that he's going to Hundred Thieves. I think it's oh, yeah. like the best possible place, especially after mm-hmm. you know just feeling the emotions of uh, the process and just super happy that Envoy landed over there.
0: Yeah, and the other team that's gonna really use his talents to the fullest in content. So that's perfect. Um but then we get into formal, a little less emotional from formal, which I mean, I've talked about it a few times. Like Kenny is kind of like my favorite player now at this point. But like when I really started first watching uh competitive COD and stuff, I was a fan of a lot of guys. And then when Formal came over from Halo and Ghost, like he kind of became my guy. Like when he was first on Team Fear and then he bounced around and was on phase and was on um, envy and stuff. Like he was my guy. He was my player. Like I loved formal. Uh, back in that time, I, I I run a sub now when I play and stuff. But I always ran like in Black Ops Three. I ran like the M8 and stuff and the Mano. And I was like a Mano R type player. And I like basically tried to model my game after Formal. Like be super aggressive, ego child, everything. Like kind of play with reckless abandon. And like Formal was my guy. So I mean, I've been following Formal forever, and that's kind of his personality. Like he's not r- really. I mean as a competitor he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve with like trash talking stuff but like outside the game like like matt piper like the actual like outside formal he seems to actually be a lot more reserved like he's not a super emotional like he's if he's really upset about something he's not gonna like cry on camera and like be really sad about it. like he just kind of he's kind of tight with his emotions and i think we all saw that in this clip like in this ending video and kind of tribute to his career he was he was a little more reserved um and basically said he didn't have enough passion left uh, to keep competing, which is kind of what we we already knew that was the case. But it makes sense. And I have a lot of respect for him saying that he didn't have the passion and like the emotional, um, like, I guess, drive to keep competing. Because you can see a lot of players in sports and esports and everything, just like they see the paycheck and they know, like, Formal, I mean, if Formal even put, like, a 75% effort in, we know he was going to easily still be a league-caliber player and, like, be able to be on, like, a top-six top, top six team and still be competitive and stick around for the paycheck. But I respect him being being able to say, like, okay, yeah, I could still collect the paycheck, and Optic's never going to drop me, basically. Uh, but, like, realize that he's holding his teammates back. And that that's one thing that really stuck with me in that little interview is he's like... I had Envoy and Dashi and I knew I was holding them back if I stuck with them because like I'm not giving it my all and they're in the prime of their career so it was time for me to step away which which is something I really respect.
1: Yeah, uh totally agree. Um and you know, I thought another bit of what he said was like he uh he kind of like was kind of giving a retrospective uh view on mm-hmm. his career. Uh, saying that, uh, you know, obviously when they won champs in IW, uh, that was the hardest he's ever, you know, gone with like grinding the game and like, you know, perfecting his abilities and that he hasn't tried that hard since IW. Yeah. Um, also obviously like, you know, super mature view of him to, uh, to, you know, recognize that he wasn't giving his all and, um, you know having the you know wherewithal to step away uh-huh. uh, and like very unselfishly to not like quote unquote cost his teammates um and you know obviously he'll be staying with the uh optic brand i think we we like we touched on that with like the whole war zone thing, so um you yeah, know, it's not like he's you know leaving the entire optic umbrella um but yeah, just a super uh you know i i guess he's uh you know we'll, we'll miss seeing him compete i think we you know we obviously you know had our reaction pod on formal like announcing his retirement but this is kind of like seeing it come full circle yeah. in a sense with like uh having the whole process and the the emotional build up and i i know there's a lot of optic uh, stands out there that are still like you know they you know formals their guy and um yeah uh yeah, i guess that's, that's that's about all i have to say on
0: Unformal. I don't know. Yeah. He obviously kind of also hinted at the end of that video about like maybe he isn't done. He was kind of talking about how right. you know, this, yeah, that, this year yeah, yeah. he it might be like a reset year, which I mean, I think 11 years into competing, I can understand. Like, like he said in that IW year, he was putting 16 hour minimum, like a minimum of 16 hour days in. And like, I mean, I don't care. Like, people like that, like just people that are outside of esports like to say, like, oh my God, you sit there and play video games all day. Like, what an easy life. I don't care what you're doing. Like, if you're putting in 16 hours of work into any sort of job or anything, like that is exhausting. 16 mm-hmm. hours of work on anything, whether it's a video game, a sport, a job, uh, anything, 16 hours putting in something every day for months and months and months on end, maybe even more than 16 hours sometimes, that is exhausting. So, like, I can see how he can kind of have some burnout. So he said, you know, maybe I'll come back and I'll destroy some people after after a year off and that'd be interesting to see because that would obviously mean he'd be probably leaving the optic brand and maybe going somewhere else which he obviously said he wasn't very happy when he did that and went to lg but formal maybe not done but i think i mean for at least for me for the formal stuff i can close it out by obviously i mean one crazy good career i think everybody has him in their top five all-time uh, players as of now at least like one hell of a career so shout out to formal obviously like i said one of my favorite players of all time uh, I love the way he played the game and I hope he's not done just for selfish reasons I mean obviously if he's happier outside making content great for him um, I hope he has all the success in the world but if he wants to come back I think the whole competitive scene not only for uh, a viewership and branding standpoint but I think the whole competitive scene will welcome him back but obviously we wish him nothing but the best in whatever the next steps are alright last yes. thing on the process unless you have anything else to say oh, Yeah. yeah.
1: Let's, let's touch on the last bit here
0: so the last thing was kind of at the end, obviously, they had like a little teaser, which Hex is so darn good at this. That's the one thing he's always been so good at, is the little teasers for his teams, whether it was on like the Vision with, with the Halo team being announced and stuff. But he had a little teaser of him walking into the Envy headquarters, talking to Astro, saying like, let's do it. And Scump and Shotzi and all them and Dashy and the boys were all in there, the team. Uh, and then they kind of like teased like next week on the process, they're going to talk about the Envy merger, which is also maybe the reason why this process episode took so long to come up, because they had to have the next one ready as well talk about the nb merger so it wasn't two hours long so maybe that's why it took so long uh also i saw on cdl intel like a minute after we hit the record button and we're talking about it kind of something else that's maybe going to be coming on the next video optic actually officially announced the z laner uh pickup in in a video like they they officially tweeted it and they were like it was like something it it was kind of like a funny funny thing directed at Shotzi, like oh, we know this comes as a shock to you or something. I can't remember what they said in the tweet. I can, I could try to pull sure. it up here, but they, they also officially announced Z laner, uh, which is something that we didn't know when we hit the record button uh, on the podcast. But yeah, seems like a new process episode coming out next week, kind of detailing the envy merger and what it all looks like. And maybe more, probably I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of Shotsy and Ili on that one, a lot of Hashtra kind of talking about how this all came to be.
1: Yeah. I I'm obviously already looking forward to that. Um, gotta mark your calendars get the uh get the popcorn ready for that one um mm-hmm. because obviously this is like this week's uh process is like you know where we were and then i i think next week is like where we're going so obviously we're gonna probably see a lot more of like illy shotzi and hasher like you said um you know i you know hex just like parking his g-wagon on the street and walking into the NV headquarters it's like okay like <laughs> Uh, just such a good lead into uh what we're going to see next week um but yeah obviously nobody builds up you know anticipation like the optic brand they have their finger on the pulse of the uh of the community with you know what they want whatever it wants to see um but yeah that, that, that about wraps up the process the the long anticipated process
0: yeah, uh, yeah, the video, the video for Zlander was like, you never saw this coming. Welcome to Optic. It was like, I think they kind of just were like, well, shoot, Shotzi leaked it, so he might as well tweet it. Uh, yeah, it kind, of a, a, kind of a kind an announcement. So, Shotzi maybe not putting a good impression. Then the other thing above it was Hex welcoming um, the guys in. Uh, and then he said, and welcome home, uh, mega welcome home to the Optic Hall of Famer Rambo, which is something that's kind of underrated in this transition is like Rambo, he was on Optic before Nade shot, like he was like the original guy that won championships. Uh, on optic, like before Nature was even involved, so like kind of cool to see to see Rambo Ray kind of head home to his original home in Call of Duty. But yeah, we can kind of wrap up the the process stuff, move on to more of our actual like news. Uh, probably a shorter news segment because then we got to talk about Vanguard too, and we don't want to go five hours on you guys uh, and make you take up your whole day. So talk a little bit about the Challenger news uh, and then get into our thoughts on Vanguard. So the first bit of news we had down was kind of shotsy leaking the optic Dallas, but I don't think we talk about that too much. We kind of kind of talked about that within our process and an optic merger stuff uh next thing was a big a big piece of news for cdl actually that kind of gets buried uh it's crazy that we're talking about this like an hour into the podcast because i mean just a week ago (laughs) this would have been headlining news uh with the way news was so slow but vivid is officially on mutineers uh that happened very very quickly uh i have said here i mean i might go on a little rant here so i'll let you go but i've said like, I don't think Havoc was the right person to keep on this team, but I absolutely feel so bad for Havoc, and I hate what Mutineers did to him. Um, He obviously is completely off Florida now, like, a day before the game drops, and then Yeez was initially, like, supposed to be leaving, but now he's staying. But Vivid's in the starting roster with Wake, uh, Dave Patty, and Skies, and Havoc got absolutely hosed here. It is... Uh, I'm actually really pissed for Havoc.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of a, a Havoc stan, I think, ever since I, like, had him on my... uh you know, uh, like hot seat, cool throne. I think we we had him in one of our first episodes. I was like, you know, havoc kind of like lost the week or whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, super unfortunate with uh mutineers like, you know, dropping him and um. But obviously, you know, things are changing. Uh, you know, they get the opportunity to sign uh, you know, Reese Vivid, um, you know, off. Of, you know, obviously he's released from Dallas, um, so you know, things change and havoc. a uh, big props to him though, for saying that he's going to like, he's going to, you know, essentially like pick himself up by his bootstraps and, uh, yeah, he you know, took it
0: very well for grind. somebody yeah, do might've done
1: <laughs> and grind challengers, um, to do that. I, that's, you know, major props to him. I'm going to be, you know if, if i do happen to like find myself watching any challengers or like you know pay like obviously i'm going to be paying attention to uh you know just like the uh, the meta results there but you know obviously I'll be, I'll be pulling for havoc i think he's uh you know a, a lot of people were not too happy in the in the twitter replies um yeah. they were saying like l mutineers uh it was mut- in my opinion <laughs> lutineers yeah i mean but also, the same people, like, it seems like there was a lot of animosity towards Havoc being announced oh, yeah. on the roster, too. So it was kind of like a dichotomy, like, well, do you want Havoc or, like, are you, like, it seems like the people that were, like, you know, we don't like Havoc, like, this is such an L roster. And then uh, Havoc gets dropped and they're like, this is an L move. It's like, Mutineers can't, <laughs> Mutineers can't buy a win here. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, just kind of, kind of upset.
0: I mean, I'm kind of one of those people that falls in that category you're talking about. Like, I didn't like the roster. I don't think many people did. And I didn't necessarily think like Havoc was 100% the guy that was like the issue with the roster. It's just rolls. Havoc was the only clear sub. I mean, they must have faith in this guy Big Wake to be like a BZ or something because like they are betting all their chips like they could have had a very solid sub duo in Havoc and Vivid and gone forward with Wake on the flex and Skye's on the ar and like maybe kept dave Payton in your back pocket in case things weren't working out and you really wanted to like switch things up but like they they like i don't remember who it was but like people on the flank were 100% sure that skies is not the main ar on this team and that sounds like a recipe for disaster in my opinion uh like now they're putting vivid out of the sub which great vivid i think vivid is a better player than havoc uh that's not my issue i just think back to back years of benching havoc like a day before the game came out and like not giving him any warning is just complete bs like i'm i'm upset for havoc like i said I was one of the guys that said, I don't think Havoc really deserves a spot in this roster. And I still stand by that. Like initially when they made the roster, I don't think he should have been on it. But after you announce him on the roster, like do right by your players. Don't screw the guy over and give him one day to like either find a new CDL roster, which he's not going to be able to do now that this has already happened or like force him to challengers. And also karma kind of went on the side of, um, of Havoc. Cause then like the day the game comes out, he plays in a kickoff tournament with a pickup squad. He beats mutineers. Uh, <laughs> He beat him right away. He's 1-0 against him this year already. He beat him, I think, 2-1 in like a best-of-three search series and just like put like GG's Florida 1-2-1 smiley face or something. And I was like, you can just tell he was probably like so hyped. And apparently his stream like people were going off on the chat, like hyping him up after it and stuff. So <laughs> I was like, good, good. He, it, all's right in the world that he just ends up beating him in a tournament. But I mean, is, the, is it probably an improvement? Yeah, because it's a one-for-one in one the player they added in. It's probably better, but like it's just such a weird move. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think it moves them outside of my bottom four because I still think the roster has major, major issues with with Skye's not being the main arrow, which I still can't believe. Uh-huh. Yeah, but just super, super weird. We can move on to this Washington spot, which is no longer the Washington spot. Um, and it's supposed to be NRG spot, but now it's NV spot with NRG being like fully out as we saw uh, in that article, it was supposed to be the methods teach Paul X and vivid team. Obviously we know the rumors have to be true because vivids and moved on to mutineers. Uh, and then we saw this team had replaced vivid with venom. Uh, they're like playing together as a squad here to kick off the game methods teach Paul and venom. Um, and now we don't know what's gonna happen with the roster though. We don't know if this will be the roster on whatever team buys it out. Who knows if somebody else will buy in and has a different idea? But super unfortunate uh, that these players aren't going to get in because I actually thought that the team with Methods, Siege, Paul, and Vivid wasn't like a top team, but I thought it was a pretty solid team. And obviously, I am a big Methods fan. I think uh, Paul definitely deserves another crack in the league with maybe a little better team because he showed some some maybe superstar potential. And then obviously, Methods would be great to have in the league. He's one of the most popular players, and he's also a good player. So unfortunate for them, but uh, I guess. I guess they're moving on and who knows what this new roster is going to be. We don't even know at all yet. There's no rumors.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, on the flank, I believe they were like, even, uh, you know, Zuma was like, you know, I feel bad for methods. So kind of, maybe he knows a little bit more like, um, you know, maybe like methods is no longer in the conversation or if there is a conversation, who knows? Um, But it sounds Mm -hmm. like this, this roster or this, like this whole spot is kind of, you know, up in the air more now than it ever has been
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah just kind of and i was low-key looking forward to uh demon cats being a yeah, team so was I. <laughs> um i was already planning on buying my demon cats merch uh <laughs> but I, just because i got if anybody had like a composite like logo of what that could have been i i really want to see that um i think it
0: could have been some of the coolest branding in the league.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um yeah, so anyway, uh yeah, just kind of unfortunate. And uh obviously the the longer these teams don't materialize, the more of a disadvantage they're putting themselves at. Um and it's kind of like if if you're even gonna take this spot, are you like are you're just gonna you have to be kind of chalking this year and just being like, Okay, we're just gonna eat the cost of this year, and then we'll, you know, we'll get into full blown roster mania next year, just because obviously there's a lot of talent that's you know been taken off the board um but obviously like this methods teach paul venom now roster you know there's still a lot of people out there you can you can throw together a roster um yeah and, you know at least have a fighting chance so
0: and even hopefully Venom's we really hear so- they could have a yeah, fighting I mean,
1: chance exactly like hopefully we hear something soon um but yeah
0: yeah moving on from that one uh like we said super unfortunate i feel most bad for my guy methods one of my favorite players but we kind of talked about this one a little bit in the rumors of where he could go but zuma has officially joined phase clan uh, not technically atlanta phase but actually the whole um phase organization he's joined them uh unrelated to the cdl spot technically uh but i mean shout out to zuma excited for him obviously kind of going back home he played for phase forever um, once he kind of came up in the scene, he settled with phase and was a staple, uh, in the phase organization for the competitive call of duty team for a number of years, like three, four, five plus years. He was on the team, uh, out to so Zuma. It seems like, like I said, would have loved to see him go to like Hunter T cause they're up-and-coming org. Would have loved to even see him join optic with how many people they're now picking up. Uh, but phase seems to be the right fit. It just, it just feels right. He's on phase forever. Uh, they're an organization that picks up a lot of players and I think he's going to kill it there. I'm excited for him because it, it really does feel like. Like FaZe Zuma, it's kind of seems like where he belongs. So excited for Zuma and excited to see what he can do. Maybe keep blowing up even further and continuing to put the Call of Duty on the map.
1: Yeah, I mean, and another another, uh, piece of news that might have been like near the top of Mm -hmm. our headlines had it not been for the process. Um, But, you know, it unfortunately just gets buried. But obviously, uh, you know, the the flank has been one of the greatest inventions in modern COD history with just like, you know, a podcast run by, you know, a very recent ex-pro player. Uh, they obviously have a lot of great, you know, recurring guests and they delve into literally every single topic you can imagine. They do, I think they do every day they're on like post, uh, you know, when there's matches on they're they're on every single day after the matches talking about like breaking them down. Um, I don't, I hand right hand up. I have not had a time to. You know i didn't have time to get into all of their post-game breakdowns but i'm sure they're like super in-depth and mm-hmm. you know well thought out um but i have been listening more recently with like you know all the opsies and stuff um but yeah obviously super happy for zuma uh and you know hopefully he only continues to grow and uh you know obviously
0: continue with the flank yeah i'm excited to see where he can go with that uh, like we said Probably no better spot for him than Faze. Uh, next piece of news we had, Nubsey joins the Rocker as a team operations coordinator. Uh, I don't really have too much to say in on this one. It seems like, obviously, I'm very excited for Nubsey because he kind of said he's moving on from coaching. We were wondering where he was going to be next. We were hoping he was going to stay within the scene, and he does. Team operations coordinator, I don't know what it all entails. Seems kind of almost like a GM uh, in a way. Kind of like when you hear like president of basketball operations or something in the NBA. They're really just like the GM with a different name, maybe a little bit more power. Kind of seems like he's going to have a lot to do with the logistics of the team, maybe helping pick up players, maybe helping pick up coaches uh, and just be involved with the team. So excited to see him stay uh, in the in the league, especially with the team that you and me. I mean, we don't need to talk too much about it, but we both believe that Minnesota is an organization who's doing Well, we have teams like Paris who are doing everything wrong. Minnesota's opposite. They're doing everything right. Um, So I'm excited for Nubsy. Seems like one of the most likable and good guys in the scene kind of seems like he got the short end of the stick and just unlucky situation for his coaching job, but excited to see him stick around and see what he can do with rocker in a position that we really don't fully know what it all entails.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll hear more about exactly what his duties are. Uh, I think rocker would be one of the better orgs to, you know, let us know like what the behind the scenes are, Um, you know, because they seem to be pretty good with uh, at least, you know, delving into a little bit of the content game but uh yeah happy i mean obviously happy to see him back in the scene in some capacity uh you know he's not going to be a head coach he's going to be this team operations coordinator so i guess we'll have to um you know see if anything gets released on that or you know what that entails but yeah i guess we can keep uh keep plodding along here
0: yeah and then we've got two challengers teams uh one confirmed and then one maybe hinted at Uh, the confirmed one being aqua just a couple weeks ago we talked about his retirement and now he says yeah i'm giving challengers a go uh (laughs) the the competitive itch and i i said right away i'm like i don't think this is the end of aqua like this guy is still very good seems like he still has that itch to compete he's still relatively young he's playing with tcm fame and katani of the names here i'm not sure too much about fame and katani but tcm has like been a name i've literally seen this guy's name competing since like black ops 2 i swear he's always like at the top of the am scene or towards the top and always finishing he was a guy that made from a lot of open brackets to the to the pro brackets when we had open tournaments he's been around for ages and i know he's at least a somewhat decent player i believe he runs a sub i could be completely wrong and i don't know anything about fame or katani so i can't speak to them but seems like a pretty decent roster i can't remember the organization i wish i would have wrote down it was like six gear or something uh, 6G. They w- they've they been involved in Challengers for the last few years, so seems like a pretty good org he landed on, as well as with a decent team, and I think Aqua is going to be a top AR in Challengers, because we see a guy like Saints be a top sub in Challengers still this many years into his career, been playing since like COD 4, uh, and I think Aqua's going to be right up there towards the top, because I think the guy has unreal talent. And then the other roster, rumored, uh, Karma is hinting at maybe, he's like, hey, we're looking for a hard point scrim, me, Ricky, Classic, and Slacked. Uh, and I think that'd be kind of fun. I don't think he'll probably take it super seriously all year, but we saw him really not play any competitive games at all towards the beginning of Cold War, and then a couple people asked him to randomly play Challengers, and he destroyed everyone. Like That's just what Karma does, uh, especially because he typically is an insanely good early game player. Uh, he usually dominates early in games, uh, and I'm not going to be surprised if he just decides to play a tournament for fun and gets like top four or something after like not really playing multiplayer much, because that's just what Karma does.
1: Yeah, I mean these two teams, uh it would just be fun to see what if if anything happens, obviously with the Karma team. Uh you know, it seems like Aqua's looking to take it at least a little bit more seriously than Karma. Um yeah. and obviously we we're, we were talking about uh Aqua, you know, potentially leaving the competitive scene as a whole and you know, focusing on streaming and stuff like that. Um but yeah, so I, I guess uh hopefully, you know, we are able to have some room to talk about challengers news, uh, you know, in weeks of, uh, competition, you know, whenever that kicks off, but, uh, you know, challenger starts
0: before the league normally.
1: Right. And I guess we'll, uh, you know, we'll just have to keep our eye out and see if he's getting good placements or what's going on. because obviously the, uh, the whole, like, you know, hot, uh, you know, musical chairs of rosters in the North American challenger scene is, uh, it's like who's playing with who this week. Um, so i guess we'll have to see if that team sticks or what's going to happen
0: yeah i'm interested to see i mean karma's wife uh holly has been like for the last like i swear every like few weeks i see a tweet saying like everybody please convince damon to come back and play competitive i miss watching him i want to watch him and like she's been like just putting so many tweets about that like i want to watch him play again like i think not a single person in the world doubts that if Karma grind it again today probably even without grinding if he like started playing again for a week he'd be right up there and be a league level player easily and could be a top player like we know the levels he can hit when he's motivated so be something interesting to see if potentially he could come back maybe his wife's gonna keep nudging him until eventually he listens and decides to play um but i'll be super interested to see if he actually sticks with it or if it's just something he's doing for fun because he's just that good that he can just come back and you know be on a a top challenger team for one event if he decides to play uh another guy potentially hinting at returning to competitive rated uh he hinted that he wanted to come back maybe play challengers he's like I know I'm giving up a guaranteed paycheck with Warzone which also would be super interesting because I believe him and like Tommy uh, are on 100 thieves for Warzone so I wonder what would go on with that contract and stuff being on 100 thieves but uh rated wants to get returned to competitive I believe he's playing in a tournament right now like a Cold Red 20k variant tournament uh, as we're recording this with Kleenex Cammie and Bance. Uh, Kind of Bance, one of his longtime former teammates. He's playing the main AR for that team uh, with Cammie on the flex and then his, the the Toronto duo of subs. So interested to see how he does in that uh, because it's happening while we're recording this. But yeah, Rated wants to come back.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe we're seeing a, uh, you know, kind of a two way street at least where, you know, once you go to Warzone, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like, putting away the competitive you know sticks forever in a sense Um, (laughs) yeah well i mean you have like karma who's like playing tarkov until like five in the morning and then you have you know obviously rated coming back uh or you know saying that he wants to come back so you know there there is a path back uh to at least you know playing these uh you know two k's or whatever the heck's going on uh on a weekly basis but yeah just uh You know, I I know a lot of uh, people in the EU scene, you know, rated as one of their guys. Um, Yeah, so maybe he'll come back in some capacity. Who knows?
0: Yeah, hopefully we can find him as a top challenges player if he decides to come back, because he also is one of those personalities that was not afraid to go at you and kind of became a villain in a way in some sort. So another fun personality to to make his way back into the league, potentially, if he does that, Um, whether it's this year, next year, expansion, whatever, it'd be fun to at least see him back around another super popular European player. Last piece of news before we get into Vanguard stuff um, Classic and Shawnee, a very odd pairing, are a potential <laughs> group of of two looking for two for challengers. Uh, but we also said Classic might be like scrumming with like karma on those guys. So we don't know if this is for sure still a thing. Um, but Classic and Shawnee, I mean, two very good players. Classic is a very good do it all sub, and Shawnee's a, a solid staple main AR. He was a good kind of average main AR in the league past couple years but just a very weird pairing because obviously two guys have never teamed together an eu player and NA player uh i think if they get the right pair of teammates that they're still looking for a team of two together they could have a very solid team because i believe in both these players to be to be league level players but just a very that's what i thought when i first saw it just an odd pairing
1: (laughs) yeah well like i'm just kind of reminded of like uh You know london they kind of built they like after modern warfare they kind of built around shawnee like obviously they dropped scraps and muskin uh you know that was one of the more controversial moves and then they they, for some reason they kept shawnee and there was like everyone was just kind of like you know what what is this move this is an l move or something uh you know shawnee had his moments um i don't want to disparage the guy at all uh but yeah just just an interesting roster um i don't know we'll see if it even materializes into anything like he said about the whole like you know maybe he's gonna be playing with karma uh this whole like rumored karma hardpoint scrim team or something (laughs) or something like that so i guess we'll just just have to wait and see with that
0: yeah we definitely will have to wait and see uh last thing to get into vanguard news once again Absolutely unbelievable that uh, the Monday that we're recording this after the Friday launch of the brand new Call of Duty, we're getting into the talks finally like an hour and 20 minutes into the podcast. We're finally deciding to talk about the brand new game that just came out. That's how ridiculous and how big optics news in the process was. Uh, along with just scene news, but I think it's a a good break to go from the news and kind of kick it into some some Call of Duty Vanguard news, our thoughts on the game and some of the kickoff tournaments and stuff that happened, uh, as well as the disgraceful cheating that happened this weekend. But once again, just crazy. We're getting into this this late in the podcast is it would usually be headlining news to kick it off. Um, First thing to kind of start it off was the kickoff 7KGB tourney. Uh, We saw a lot of a lot of pro teams play in it basically every single one i believe except for maybe a couple were playing with pickups because uh people weren't available at the time yet um i actually played in this a couple of my friends we didn't have our normal uh full squad one of my friends was busy at the time uh so that was unfortunate didn't get to play with like the team that we actually think we could have been pretty competitive with i mean obviously we're not taking down Phase or optic or any of the pro teams but um we actually ended up winning couple rounds, uh, beat some some decent players, and we matched up with Tommy and Almond. Uh, Almond is currently playing in the Code Red tournament with uh, Envoy, Attach, and Major Maniac. Uh, that's one of the dudes we matched up with, so you can see the kind of caliber player he is, uh, considering he's playing with those three. Uh, and then a couple of Challengers players were playing with them uh, as well. And we lost... Uh, 2-0 to them. Had some close maps, though. We won like three or four rounds in each map. Um, I clutched a 1v3, and Tommy was the guy was in a 1v1, with, so that was kind of fun and exciting. Uh, the fact that got to play against a couple pros and just see the level they're at. Like Tommy was shooting different. Let me tell you, I mean, the guy has not playing competitive Warzone, hasn't played uh, competitive COD since like Black Ops 4, actually at the pro level. But that dude is shooting different. Like if he's a fringe league player, and not in the league right now, man, I don't want to know what it's like to shoot against Scump. We were honestly hoping that we would get to play like phaser optic in the first round of our draw just like draw them in the first round so we could just play against them and obviously get destroyed but it was fun to play in um fun to even play a pro like tommy one of the greatest european players of all time and just a crazy tournament that uh in the beginning of games you got a chance to play pros like that but 7k kickoff uh if you got any initial thoughts on it otherwise we can get kind of into some of the results from it yeah let's let's hop into results all right uh i mean the big headline from the tournament. Uh, phase beat optic in the final it was a best of five uh, a five search and destroy maps it went the distance to a game five uh, and phase beat optic granted uh, optic played on gavatu is the map's name and it was their first ever time playing search in that map and it was in the finals and they got destroyed six one Uh, they somehow didn't play it at all on the way there Um, so kind of ironic that optic lost again to phase because of lack of preparation (laughs) <laughs> but, but they ended up losing in five. They played crazy well. I mean, in I think it was in one single map, or maybe it was in two. Dashy and Scump both clutched one v fours, uh, at different times against Phase, which is a one v four is a feat in itself. But to do it against Phase is just a different animal. Um, both teams looked incredibly good. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this, we can get into that before we kind of dive a little deeper into uh, some of my thoughts and like Illy on the match and stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna need a whole process episode dedicated to how they've never played Gavatu, <laughs> um, and you know, just being upset about that. Um, yeah, I mean, getting to see these teams, uh, Phase Optic, uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, even if it's just a best of three, like S and D, you know, kickoff tournament. So it's, it's always fun just to see like that level. Um, yeah and you know just seeing how they already know like they already have like call outs and stuff it's like man i am so behind (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't know what to call this and they're calling it like you know he's on inner church or you know just all these like weird call it's like dude i'm so behind but just to see how these pro players minds work with like they already memorized the maps and the call outs and you know how to pinch a certain like you know bomb site or something it's just crazy um Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: yeah it was it was a crazy tournament overall uh optic also beat minnesota in the semis uh in order to play phase in the final in a close one i believe that one went to uh, a final map around eleven and i think scump clutched a one v two in around eleven to send them to the finals uh and then the i think actually on the other side i know they made it to the corner final i'm pretty sure- uh it was paris actually the paris team played phase in the semi final got to top four out of one thousand teams and uh lost a phase in in that semifinal so shout out to paris i mean nobody expected that and all the other teams like new york played in this minnesota uh i believe the florida team a bunch of like challenger teams that were top but paris found their way to uh I, i'm pretty sure they found their way to the semifinal i couldn't find the full full list but they were at least in the top eight so shout out to paris i mean they took out some other pro teams as well uh to do so and made a pretty shocking run when people are counting them out um Optic actually wasn't supposed to be in the semifinals against Minnesota, but it was determined that they lost to a cheater who has won multiple tournaments to kick off the game uh, and has also won multiple tournaments over the course of the last five years. He's won like people think upwards of a hundred thousand dollars in tournaments. Uh, so it's like a big, big controversy right now. Uh, MLG is taking all of his prize money from this past weekend and they're distributing it out to the rightful winners. So like TJ and methods, uh, and like I'm pretty sure TJ Methods, Paul and Venom lost to them in a final for like a thousand dollars, and they're taking that money and they're giving it to TJ Methods, uh, and because obviously if they cheated, they weren't the rightful winners. Uh, but they got disqualified and Optic took their spot after they beat Optic, and it wasn't a question of if they're cheating; it was proven. The guy named Shiv, uh, he went on like a monitor cam, and you could clearly see in the clip you could see the player's name through the walls. He was running across, uh, like. People have suspected this guy of cheating forever, apparently, but nobody's been able to prove it until he finally monitored Camden. They saw that he could see through walls. Uh, So Optic was able to move on. I was just really upset with this uh, because I obviously like integrity is a big, big thing to me. uh, And to be found cheating in a tournament like this, like what a loser is my main thought, Uh, especially that he's been doing it for years and cheating people out of money. And then he apparently has a teammate. He was playing with a teammate that everybody loves. uh, Like Envoy vouched for him, Temp vouched for him, uh, Parasite, like a bunch of good, uh, like uh, good integrity, like good withstanding pros vouched for this other guy that was on his team that he didn't know he was cheating and stuff. And I felt bad for the kid because he's an 18 year old trying to come up in the scene. And apparently he's like a top challengers player. And now a bunch of people were accusing him of knowing the guy's cheating. But all the pros vouched for this kid and said he wasn't. So happy to see that. But um we can get your thoughts on this but the other thing that really pissed me off about this was he then tweeted a list of a bunch of challengers players he said yeah all these guys are cheating by the way if you're gonna go out for me and like a bunch of the pros like parasites like i've teamed with a bunch of the guys these guys aren't cheating and a bunch of pros vouch for a lot of the players and listen like dude these guys like there were names i recognized even as challengers players and they're like dude these guys aren't cheating and like that really pissed me off because like if all the pros are right which if all the pros are vouching for you like you know that you're not cheating like they wouldn't do that if they were unsure of it so i was just really pissed off to see him try to take all these people down with him like you're literally potentially ruining careers and ruining lives like potential careers by saying people who aren't cheating are cheating like absolute scumbag behavior and i'm glad the guy's basically getting exiled from the scene
1: (laughs) yeah well when you said you were gonna go on you 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 weren't lying um But yeah, just but, okay. My first thing is like, where is the anti cheat? Where is this like ricochet yeah. thing that's coming in? Um, because I uh, there was a lot of like Twitter noise about like we mm-hmm. can't do any challengers things until this anti cheat is proven and in the game. Um, just because is there ever going to be a, a a cessation of these like accusations until we have a proven anti cheat like? What if some god squad of unknown players comes in and beats like, you know, some established AMs and stuff, and then they get instantly accused of like having walls or aim bot or something, it would just be so, you know, you know, much more beneficial for the, the scene if there was a functional anti-cheat to, you know, mm-hmm. even to just prevent any kind of like you know cheat hack software from being present in the game i don't know i'm i have zero expertise in software development or anything like that but it cannot be that hard for a multi-billion dollar company to implement an anti cheat yeah. that that could possibly like you know transition from game to game it's not like they have to develop it you know necessarily just for one title like why can't it permeate Uh, into all games i don't know that's just my thought
0: a company that made over one billion dollars in q3 alone on in-game purchases that doesn't include everything else they made on top of game sales and anything else just in-game purchases of skins and i don't even think that include overwatch either all the other games they run just call of duty they made over a billion dollars in one quarter and just in just sales on in-game items like you're telling me it's that hard i understand that an anti-cheat might be hard but for a company with that much freaking money it can't be that difficult to implement it um but we can move on to some of the other stuff uh from that tournament as well as my thoughts and your thoughts on vanguard uh but uh, that was my main thing i really want to get on this topic like any, if you're cheating in a video game, if, even if it's not Cod, you're a scumbag, uh, and especially if it comes to the point where you're cheating people out of money over the course of years and years and years, and also when you then go out and try to like fake and false accuse challengers players of cheating uh it's just like like you're ruining you're potentially ruining people's lives and their potential career uh in future by like saying they're cheating when they're not because some people are going to see that list and they're not going to be in tune with the pro scene but they're going to be in tune with the challenger scene and they're not going to realize and they're going to think this guy's a cheater and they're never going to want to play with them they're never going to give him a shot like you could be ruining potential like young 18 19 year old kids coming up ruining their shop by saying they're a cheater when they're not cheating. So Shiv, that dude is a scumbag. Uh, I hope he's completely exiled from the scene. I hope he's never able to play in a tournament again. I saw him say like, oh, well, you guys kick me from here. I'm going to Valorant. Valorant, scene don't be <laughs> I hope you kick him out. Uh, this guy deserves no place in any of esports. And I'm not afraid to say that because there's a lot of things I believe you're going to deserve like a second chance on stuff. But if you're just cheating people out of money for this long and he felt absolutely no remorse after getting caught at all either, like he didn't care, um, dude has no place in the scene. I'm glad he's gone. All right, next thing uh, we talked about kind of optic taking out Minnesota in a tight match, uh, and Minnesota being potentially one of the top search teams. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on, uh, I know you said you didn't maybe watch as much of the kickoffs this weekend. I didn't watch a ton, but I watched a lot of the highlights. And one thing that really impressed me, obviously, we didn't get to see a ton of other gameplay from a lot of players because not as many other players streamed. But something that was super impressive me for me and the most impressive player of the pros that I watched was Illy. Um, I admittedly haven't watched like any of like Illy's streams really in the past much. Uh, I guess that's not fully true. In Black Ops Three, when he was up and coming and kind of streamed a little bit, and everybody thought he was keyboarding, uh, I watched uh, a lot of his Search and Destroy streams with like Dashy and Selium and the, and those guys, all the Search Stars simp. And I thought the kid was a freak, but obviously back then he wasn't as developed as a player. And the thing that stood out to me was like obviously somebody on this Optic team had to step up. We knew in the comms, and Illy was common everything, calling things out like. And obviously he's shooting super straight and playing well, like, uh, mechanically, but his communication was next level. It was clear if he called something out that he believed to be true. And his teammates went back on him and said, Hey, uh, I think we should do this. He wasn't like as confrontational as some leaders can be. He was like, you know what? I, I like that. Let's do that. And sometimes even if it's a worse play, just having the agreement and putting the confidence into your teammates and doing everything together can be the right play. So, I mean, Illy was the most impressive player of the weekend to me. The dude's comms were next level. I, I really got a, a full dose of actually watching him for the first time.
1: Oh man, you're you're fully drinking this uh this Kool-Aid, man. Like, especially mm-hmm. after watching like uh you know the process and stuff. It made me fall in love with this whole like optic story again. I think you know, every every episode Diana does that. And just to hear you say that, uh, about Illy and uh, you know, gassing him up to say the least, um just you know, makes me super excited about, uh at least just like the storylines and narrative going into the game. um Obviously, Illy was pegged to be one of the uh MVP favorites preseason for Cold War. Obviously, everyone knows necessarily pan out that, you know, he no. had his own personal struggles in the game. Not to say that, you know, Dallas was not a bottom feeder team by any means, but Illy just didn't have that like breakout season that we were all expecting. Um, So, and you know, obviously people have pegged him to be the um you know (laughs) everybody's like, yeah, Illy's gonna be our scapegoat. Like we're already kind of deciding that, you know, the first person we're gonna, you know, throw under the bus is Illy if this team is struggling, regardless, you know, because obviously we can't we can't, you know, discump, we can't disdashi because they're OG optic guys. And then obviously Shotzi is Shotzi, so Illy naturally falls to be our like, you know, he's gonna have to fall on the sword if the team you know, loses. So uh just to hear you gassing Illy up, uh I'm super pumped. Uh hope hopefully this kid uh you know has a turnaround season.
0: Yeah. And I'm not by any means saying Optics all of a sudden I'm gonna be the best team in the league, no doubt. because uh, we haven't even seen him like respawn yet. Like who knows? They might suck at respawn or something. And maybe they won't carry over this hard work ethic that we saw this weekend. They're just motivated for the beginning of the game. But we always hear that Illy's such a grinder too. He's gonna put in countless hours. And it seemed like he has every tool obviously we know he has the talent he has a search to destroy brain and he's got the gun skill everything like that uh but man just like the way he was communicating with his teammates and optics communication in general was so good this week but like we've said a million times we know that these players are fantastic and we know that illy has this next level communication but it's just a matter of can they stay motivated so that's what we'll be looking for going into the season. But I'll say my initial reaction to the weekend was, man, I am excited to watch this Illy dude play. And I'm drinking the the, the Kool-Aid for the hype of Illy going into this year. Like you said, I, I, think, I think maybe we were a year early on his potential uh, MVP caliber season. Uh, and it could be coming if he's able to continue this momentum that we saw out of him uh, kind of taking more of a leadership role on a team for the first time. Uh, now kind of that we talked about Uh, that the kickoff tournament and some of the stuff we saw from the pros kind of get into our thoughts i know like you said you haven't really played the game Uh, you've more been watching stuff so we kind of have two good perspectives i think makes for a good balance to be honest as somebody who put a a number of hours into the game and somebody who's more seen it from an outside perspective i think we kind of can have a good back and forth uh, as to what things look like from both sides Um, How,
1: how, how many hours did you put in
0: to be honest, I don't know. I'm definitely prestige one. I'm over level 55. I got a couple gold guns already. I'm almost done with the ARs. Uh, I put in a lot of hours just grinding with my friends Friday night. Uh, I definitely played till like 4 a.m. Oh, Thursday you. night. That takes Man, me I back put in a lot to, of hours.
1: That, that really takes me back to my heyday of, uh, you know, like the Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops 1 <laughs> days of like just going until like. You know, until you start seeing like the sky turn light again
0: yeah you and, hear the birds
1: and, oh my gosh that, that, that's the ultimate like scariest moment it's like oh my god i didn't sleep at all
0: yep oh. uh, i definitely i definitely did that this weekend <laughs> and then uh daylight savings for me in my area oh uh, i tweeted beautiful. about it and then it was it was two o'clock at one o'clock and i'm like well i guess i gotta play for a couple more hours i, I stay up <laughs> to like three four every night this weekend oh, and i'm not a person that sleeps in so I definitely lacked sleep this whole week. I'm not running a lot of sleep. I was like I went to bed at like five and I was up by like nine thirty because I hate sleeping in <laughs> so it was it was a lack of sleep weekend, but I put in the hours uh and I don't have a ton of negative to say there's obviously some flaws to the game but I, I'm more. I'm surprised at how optimistic I am after this weekend because I went in with low expectations based on what we've heard, and I was like, I'm not. I'm not going to go in super excited to, so I don't get super disappointed. But I'm. I'm going to allow myself to really judge it and. I mean, there's definitely some flaws that I'll get into, but I was I'm super excited about this game. S and think is going to play very well. All the pros are loving it, and I played very few games of it, but it seemed like it could play very well. I mean, obviously, I didn't know the maps super well. The one map that can't play well, I'm not sure how to say it, Demansk or something that kind of looks like Verdansk. That map sucks. It is so bad for search because there's a church. the uh, The defensive team spawns like behind a church, and for some reason, you can climb onto the roof. Almost like you're playing Fortnite, and you can just like head glitch the the roof of a building, and like you can see everywhere on the map from it. And like anybody that tries to move on offense, you just gun them down with an AR. Like that map sucks, but everything else, like S and D, seems like it's going to be a great strength of this game. So I'm excited that maybe that can kind of like almost like COD Ghosts carry the game, and then we've got a hard point that could potentially be good, and maybe a control. Uh, I'm excited for the competitive future of this game.
1: Oh my gosh, dude, you're making me have FOMO so hard with this <laughs> I I okay, so for those who don't know, I'm stuck on an old Xbox 1. I need to get a next-gen console ASAP. Uh I don't think I'm going to get a PC. That's probably not in the works. Uh just based on cost and everything, but I need to get involved in this game soon <laughs> after I mean, this just like seeing what all the stuff we're going to talk about with Vanguard and just like the hype and you know seeing two of my favorite maps um from world at war castle and dome oh my god you know when people talk about dome from mw3 and stuff i'm like no dude you need to talk about the og (laughs) dome like dome is
0: chaos on
1: vanguard yeah i mean but any yeah so any anyhow i need to get on this game um but obviously took uh took a couple hours here and there to watch uh you know a, a a litany of streams i was watching octane for a while he he rarely ever streams so i was like oh man i need to see octane i was watching a little bit of envoy obviously tuned into Scump. uh watched a little bit of dashy as well uh you know just all like the the mainstays and obviously a lot of the warzone guys were even over on vanguard so i was watching teep and uh you know just a number of other people so yeah but like you're saying uh a lot of these you know i as the maps get flushed out and like you know we find out what's going to be competitive and whatnot i think everything will find its water will find its level
0: yeah uh, i'm i'm super excited for that i'm glad i'm getting you have to play it because uh i think it's something that's worth playing the game is it's it's very smooth is like the one way i described it a lot of times games are kind of clunky off launch and uh you always have issues getting on the servers the first night. I actually didn't have any issues. I was able to play the game all weekend. There was like a little bit of an issue where you'd always get this like dev error thing, like this like transmission error, I would always say, uh, when like trying to load into do a game with friends. But eventually that kind of fixed itself out over the weekend. And one thing that caught me off guard is I'm usually like, I am a person that really hates Ground War with all the vehicles and everything. Uh, there wasn't vehicles in any of the, the modes I played or anything, but I've never liked like the, uh, only in Halo, I liked big team battle with a lot of people. But I've never been like a fan of anything more than like 6v6 in the map. Like I, d- I just have never liked those modes. And then this weekend the feature was broken where you'd set it to like 6v6, 8v8, 10v10, uh like 12v12. The feature to like filter it out was broken. Like no matter what one you put on, you were gonna get anything. So I played a lot of 8v8 on like certain maps and 10v10s. And I was like, God, I don't want to play this. But then by the end of the weekend, I was kind of like, you know, for farming weapon levels and like camels and stuff, this is awesome. I'm getting 60 kills every game minimum because of how many people are on the map and how chaotic it was. So that was kind of fun. Uh, like you said, dome is in the game. Um, castle plays pretty good. Uh, the trees in the middle are just a little weird. It's very hard to see like a lot of the map. Uh, and they had like a lot of smoke in the middle of like some of the maps, which made it a little tough to see, which was kind of a flaw. Um, but Dome, dude, I had a, like a 175 kill game on Dome uh, <laughs> because it was 10v10 10 10 domination or something. Uh, and oh nobody had to be flagged because you literally couldn't touch it. Uh, but it is just chaos. And like for me, in terms of when I'm playing pubs, I don't really care that much about like if I'm like absolutely stomping. I want to go 175 and 80 and just like have a million engagements. So that was super fun to me. Uh, I wrote in here as a note because I wanted to kind of remind myself some of the talking points is this was probably the most fun i've had with the pubs off launch since like bo3 or maybe bo4 because i really enjoyed bo4 it's one of my favorite games uh, but i definitely had more fun off launch than cold war uh and i think a lot of that is because the abundance of maps uh there's so many maps in this game like i was on like hour four of playing the opening night and i'm like what is this map i never played desert siege what is this and it ended up being only an okay map but like even though there's no like maps that i play besides the Mansk, that map is an l take it out of the game that map sucks but there's no maps that i really played that i'm like god this map absolutely is horrible like they're all like at least kind of like okay so like the variety of it just keeps the game fresh and you're able to keep playing whereas like cold war i would like load up and i'm like oh my god i can't play satellite i hate this map back out well that only leaves me with like five maps to play because two of them were ground war maps and we only had like six pubs maps so like the abundance of maps, uh, as well as how smooth the game was, kind of led me to think it's probably the most fun pubs I've played off launch. It's like the Black Ops 3, Black Ops 4, and, and you all know Black Ops 3 is my favorite game of all time. So uh, I'm very, very excited about what the future of this game holds because of how much fun I had with pubs, which is something that I, I kind of have an issue with, uh, typically because I've been playing COD for so long.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to definitely be slotting in with these uh, th- with these Christmas noobs. You know that coming (laughs) in about in you know maybe about a month or so uh but you know i'm definitely looking forward to getting in uh you know like you said some of these maps might not be the best for competitive but uh you know hopefully they have a lot of stuff coming in with you know like mid-season updates and like we're gonna be releasing some new maps and hopefully they're good
0: maps um Mm -hmm. london docks
1: i yeah i mean i have a i have a couple from uh even you know they threw in two cod five maps that's like throwing it back to the ogs and stuff but uh there's a couple maps from cod five that i think could possibly play halfway decent for competitive i'm like thinking of them in my head because that was like the game that i first like came up on and stuff i'm like oh man that'd be so like nostalgic to see like i i just can't even wait to get back into castle like that was one of like me and my buddies that was one of our favorite maps was castle and then obviously Dome was mm-hmm. just a a cluster f for like kills and stuff and uh just wild um so yeah I was super excited um you know the game being smooth the servers running um just like having just having fun with the game uh you know just all i mean i'm seeing a lot of good things about vanguard so that just makes me even more hype
0: yeah and I don't want to make it seem like I'm all like hype and there's nothing wrong with the game. There definitely is. It's issues. Like, I mean, for God's sakes, I'm trying to get gold on the automaton. I believe the gun's called, and I literally can't get it. Cause there's this, uh, this assassin, uh, proficiency, I believe they call it. It's like, it gives you an extra like passive ability on the guns and it's called assassin. It says you have to put on like this attachment, this attachment and assassin and get a hundred long shots. Well, I can't even do it because this assassin thing doesn't exist. <laughs> so you literally can't get gold on like any of the ARs, uh, Uh, that have this because this assassin thing doesn't exist in the game so you can't do that challenge Uh, and then like the obviously the the issues in the menu with you can't actually like choose which version of the game you're playing Um, and then there are definitely in the bigger lobbies some some spawn issues i had multiple times where i literally spawned and was able to get shot instantly or i spawned staring at somebody's back from a foot away like especially on dome when you have 20 players, there's, like, nowhere for them to spawn you. Uh So there's definitely <laughs> some issues like that, but, like, I see a lot, a lot, a lot of good things to look at. That automaton I talked about is one of the, like, top three, top four pubs guns I've ever used. The thing shoots as fast as, like, a Scorpion from Black Ops 2, and also shoots as straight as, like, the ICR with the right attachments. Like, if you haven't used it yet at all, I recommend using it before it gets nerfed, because this thing is insane. And I Like, that was what made pubs so fun for me that first weekend. I think I have, like, uh, like eighteen hundred eliminations with the gun already or something. Like the thing is absurd. I was just using it all weekend just frying people. Um I I also saw reactive camels are back in the game. Uh the the like dark matter of this game is called atomic. It's like rainbow colored and it moves around with the gun. It's not like insanely cool but the fact that there's reactive camels this early in the game is exciting for potentially maybe seeing a bunch more reactive camels come out. Uh, overall I just had a lot of fun with pubs. The game certainly has its issues but I'm I'm very excited uh, to see to see what we could have in store this year. I think the time to kill also is maybe one negative. It's it's very low. Like you fry some people, uh, and then also I don't know if you saw the thing uh, like CDL Intel retweeted and stuff, but there's like Fortnite bloom on the subs. Like if you're shooting from long range, it's like almost random where the bullets go with subs, which is just something that's kind of weird. So uh, I don't want to sound like a, the game has literally nothing wrong with it, because obviously any game is going to have some issues, but. I'm very excited and a lot more excited coming off launch than I thought I'd be for this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of a, a lot more positives than than not to mm-hmm. uh to take yeah. away. So um like I said, <laughs> looking forward to getting into it eventually. Um just gotta, you know, upgrade my systems over here and we'll we'll all be set <laughs> to go. Um you know probably should have upgraded you know a year ago or something but you know we're, we're here we're ready to uh i'm i'm i i'm ready to get into uh you know this game and even more so once uh once we get this uh you know hopefully this elo based uh competitive playlist coming out
0: yeah hopefully that comes out soon i think they said early 2022 which i hope means january not february or march but um i think that's pretty much all we've got for vanguard and news and everything in this very long episode uh probably the longest one we're ever gonna have uh do you have a down bad sports moment of the week to close it out if you don't have anything else to talk about on vanguard uh
1: you know down bad sports moment of the week my lions did not play this week so the (laughs) world the world was spared from witnessing (laughs) a team go zero and nine um university of michigan did not play (laughs) michigan Uh, state lost that's good for you yeah i well you know that that kind of makes me down bad because like okay maybe i was gonna get hype about like michigan state being in the college football playoff like in the rankings and stuff but then they go and lose a stinker to purdue (laughs) so it looks like the big ten is just self-cannibalizing again and Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna wind up with ohio state who uh you know they're like my mortal enemy so we're gonna mm-hmm. wind up with them being in the college football playoff again probably um so yeah i, I don't know just kind of Mich- just michigan sports are down bad uh my pistons are not doing good either <laughs> uh you know i i don't want to like I obviously I'm not going to sound the alarm on Cade Cunningham our number one overall draft pick being a bust but you know it just hasn't been like he hasn't come and taken the team by storm yet. Uh obviously mm-hmm. he had some injury issues earlier on in the season so he's just getting into his first like few games now. Um obviously the lines are terrible and the wings are kind of just like treading water. I guess they're on like a long, like they're I, I swear they're on like a 20 year rebuild or something. It's just like, you know, they're not getting worse, but they're not getting better. So, uh, what about you?
0: Uh, I don't really have too bad of one. The Colts looked very good on Thursday night football. They got a big dub against the jets to kind of put themselves back in the wildcard race. They're only like a game back now, uh, at four and five. Cause the person holding, I can't remember who it is, but they're holding the, uh, that, Oh, it's the Steelers at four and three. So the Colts are kind of right back into it. If Steelers are currently playing as we're recording, I think they're killing the Bears, but uh, the Colts are kind of right back into the thick of things. I guess the Bucs are kind of playing bad, but I mean, I'm not worried. The Bucs are going to be right there, uh, probably in the final four again this year in the conference finals, uh, as long as they can finally get healthy, which they haven't been at all. I mean, Brooke Lopez has only played 10 minutes this year, Um, so I'm not really too worried about them, I guess. Fantasy football wise. my friend and I got into like a, a pretty big money league. Uh, we split the cost and kind of drafted the team together. Uh, and we had a really good start to the year, but we had Russell Wilson, uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, we had, who else we have on the team? Jerry Judy, who got hurt too. Uh, we have David Montgomery, who got hurt. Um, we had a couple of running backs I can't even think of right now also get hurt. Uh, and then this week, because we were down so many players uh, on our team, We were like, oh, man, uh, Chase Edmonds, it's time to start you. Uh, We needed two points out of Chase Edmonds. He got injured on his first carry of the game and got .3. So we lost our fantasy football matchup because Chase Edmonds went out uh, on the first play, and then James Conner proceeded to go off for 40 in his absence. (laughs) I have like a three-touchdown game, so that was kind of sad that we needed two points out of a running back who's averaged like 13 this year, and he got hurt on his first touch of the game, (laughs) which that's, that's it's never fun to lose fantasy football because of an injury. Big sad, big sad. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, my team's had a pretty good week. I guess the Bucks are struggling, but I, I'm I'm about a panic level of zero, and I'm also not as worried about them because I saw them win a title, so I can die happy on on the Bucks point. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I have anything else to talk about. If you're ready to wrap up this super long episode of the podcast,
1: yeah, let's go ahead and wrap here.
0: All right, thank you guys so much for watching. Like we said, probably the longest episode where we've had uh, to this point, and. Quite possibly one of the longest episodes we'll ever have. There was just so much to talk about because uh, normally this would be an episode fully dedicated to talking about the new game that just came out a couple of days ago. But Optic decided to kind of screw with us and release a giant video uh, of the whole last year and how things went, and also announced their their groundbreaking roster and merger with Envy. So we had to talk about all of that, uh, kind of as well as some of the news going on and the shuffling of challengers teams. Uh, but it was a fun episode, uh, a lot to unpack, and uh, it was all stuff that's very fun because it was kind of a mixture of everything we like to talk about from results to a new game to uh, drama within teams and roster changes. It had a little bit of everything. Uh, so if you guys are watching uh, on YouTube, please be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed. Uh, and if you guys are listening on audio, the, any of the audio platforms, uh, drop a follow on there. Show some support. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, our Twitters are going to be in the description if you want to follow us. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be tweeting during matches and stuff this year can have some good interaction on there. So, thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you in the next one. Uh hopefully with some more uh tournament results to talk about. Um uh, but we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great day everyone.